Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We're back. Hello, pal. Summer doldrums, but I'm tired, man. It's Friday. I'm, I'm, I haven't been sleeping well. These 10 a.m. shifts. I'm, I'm a creature <laughs> so of the night. Early. Yeah, you are. Yeah, so I'm a creature of the night too, who works in the daytime. I want to mention that off rip because I'm going to screw up a thing or two. I say probably, which is a really good thing for a supposed expert <laughs> of analysis of the Phoenix Suns to say. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of just recap where the last couple of weeks have gone, which isn't much to be honest. It's just been the daily cycle that I wrote about and described as nauseating, which we're not going to go into that part of it. But we're here. Uh, we're not going to talk about what happened. Uh, what everyone has been asking me everywhere, like <laughs> at go Quick to, Trip, go to D-backs ever- games, go to gas stations, and people are like. You're Kellen. What happened, man? Can I just ask? Did someone walk up to you like at a pump or something? Or uh, I was just like grabbing a soda inside yeah. or whatever, and then just someone says, "Hey, I need to stop you," but it's not because it's like, "Hey, man, I, I know who you are." It's like you're... I need you to tell me this. If you're listening, it's really fair because if I was a fan and saw that, I would have the same exact thing. We said we weren't going to talk about. It. We're not going to talk about it. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, I, I think the reason we're at, we're talking today is because we have clarity in terms of the speculation on the sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton. We talked about it a lot last episode, but last episode we ran through pretty much everything that was going on and mentioned the sign and trade is one of the options now. For DeAndre Ayton, if you have been living under a rock, not following Twitter, uh, the sphere of content, all that kind of stuff, a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton is what has been the only discussion really about the Suns the last couple of weeks. I would say there have been others. There was a report that came out from The Athletic that they were dealing with a COVID outbreak. If you watch back some of those Game 7 pressers, you'll see it. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. So, there's a sign-and-trade looming, it feels like. Is looming the right word to use, Kevin Zimmerman? Because Uh you have been more on the fence with this. Yeah, Uh, I will tease my part by saying, I think he's gone. I think there's an 80-20 chance that he's gone. I would go way higher, but I think that the 20% factors into finding the right deal, Right. how much harder this is to do compared to just signing him to the deal, and so forth. But you're still kind of on the fence, right? Can you explain your, your thinking in terms of why you think he, he could still be back based on everything we kind of know? I'm a stubborn person, <laughs> so I think I went on like... It was a Portland radio show, I believe, before Game 7, in between 6 and 7. And I was like, I think it's 70-30 he stays. I've kind of stayed on that. I kind of didn't want to let Game 7, like, change. Like, oh, no, like, he's definitely gone. Um, I I think it did raise red flags, but I don't think it, like, changed how the Suns already felt about him. I still, for what you just said, believe that there's a chance he comes back, maybe even still above 50%, because... Like, you have to get a good deal. And I'll give this front office credit when they want to get something done, when they want to move a certain direction, like the draft of Cam Johnson that whole night where they got Dario, all that stuff, and they made 
like these very calculated moves and everything worked out because they had a really good plan. Like this front office can get stuff done. So if we think that they even want to sign and trade him, I think there's a good chance that they can get it done, even though, again, the it's easier said than done, I guess, is the quick way to say it. But I still think there's a chance he comes back from the simple fact that if you don't outright love a sign-and-trade, you don't have a way to fill holes that that sign-and-trade might create elsewhere, blah, 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 it's still the best avenue to keep him. That's still a really easy thing to do is keep him in many different scenarios. And so I will say that I'm thinking this front office doesn't just lose him outright. And that's why that scenario still exists, that he returns. You ready for my crackpot theory? Yes. I think we all went through a process together. Some people immediately, some people it took a couple of years with this DeAndre Ayton fella. Where everyone just understood that they had to accept his flaws. Yeah. Accept him for what he is. And just deal with him saying, yeah, I love the four. I want to play the four. That's where I'm proud I asked him the question that brought that up in the Pelican series that I didn't even mean to ask. Anyway, continue. He has brought it like it's one of those things where he said it once at the charity thing four three years ago. Three years ago, that's when I took a lot of heat for tweeting that. Everyone was like, "This is out of context." It's like it is literally not out. Of, you do not understand what out of context means if you think that's taken out of context. Anyway, he proceeds to say similar things like that for three straight years. Like, like you said, he just said something similar a month ago again. He has said that thing over and over again. Did. Can we? Can I go back? Can we pause real quick? Sure. Jonathan Gavoni wrote a story that literally said he went to Arizona because they said you can play power forward alongside a, a Deuce, great man named Dusan Ristich. Ristich. God bless him. And that played a huge part because DeAndre wanted to do that. Anyway, continue. He hasn't changed that desire in his life, I think. This You brought that up because I linked to a story that I wrote before the draft and similar things I said on this podcast over four years ago when I talked about why I didn't think DeAndre was the number one prospect in his class. There were a couple of faults with him that I thought, first of all, his offensive upside was a lot more of upside and potential than people were letting on. There was just a lot of development left for him to do, and we saw the height of that potential and upside against the Pelicans. I need to keep calling it upside and potential because he hasn't consistently shown it the handle especially, uh, but also the three. I think if you and I would have had a bet on draft night, when do you think he starts shooting threes semi-regularly, we would have said by year three or four. Uh, We haven't gotten there yet. Whether that's him, whether that's the coaching staff. Monty has said said they want him to shoot it. So I I don't know. I don't know. And and DA says they tell him to shoot it um, and that he has to be more aggressive with it. So that has me leaning that way, but it could be something else where they don't want him shooting it. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, I mentioned that. I mentioned the physicality. I mean, the Maverick series speaks for itself. I don't need to go any further on that. And then his defense, which has been much, much better. But I think the defense point was worth bringing up in that piece because the defense was the lack of engagement, just feeling disconnected from the game entirely. And we still see spells of that over game, over over games, over it's, lots of games. And we saw it against it's Dallas. It's weird because like when you say, is he ever going to get it? Oh, he gets it some games. Did you see him get to the finals? And base i think he was like the number one reason they got to the finals in some ways uh and then last year this past year happened where it it didn't carry over through the regular season where it was consistent blah 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 which is weird like most players either like they get it and they keep getting it or they lose the the weird games where they just 
get in their heads. Continue. Anyway, so he, he doesn't dunk the ball that much. We, we get over it. He, he doesn't yeah. dunk the ball that much. You know who I think isn't getting over it as much as we're getting over it? The people who work for the Phoenix Suns, the people yeah. who play for the Phoenix Suns, are probably not over it as much as we are. And to the point where it meets this crossroads, line in the sand, yada, yada, which direction do you go? I think they're going to choose the other direction because we got to this point where, again, some people right away, immediately, his first rookie year, his rookie year, were not over this. Me and you were heavily criticizing a lot of this parts of his play. And then we reached a point, again, in year three, year four, where we stopped having the core discussion about it and we're just over it because we weren't going to drive around in circles again because I would have gone crazy and wound up in an insane asylum. Yeah. So then when it happens against the Mavericks, we don't spend 20 minutes on it. We just say, yep, that's... That happened again. Just, he, it happened again. Move on. You know who's not moving on? Phoenix Suns who deal with it every day. Yeah. No, they're not. Um, I'm not citing that as a report, by the way. I'm just citing that as I believe that is what is happening, and that is why we are hearing so much noise and feeling like there is a growing sense that he is leaving. That is why when Monty and him had their little thing at the end of Game 7, I was watching him go to the bench, saw that, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then that's when it clicked in my head, we're going to be talking about if he's staying or not for the next month. And his agent went in said it wasn't even like that his agent did that too yeah but his agent said like there are other places that exist um that kind of is different than saying we would like to resign with the Suns. so they're all add all that up and people that's why we're here talking about setting trades right yeah and and that's what i think is happening i think that he's played his last game for the team and i think that they are going to move on whether that is a sign and trade that gets them back a couple useful players, a couple useful picks for another deal, or it's not really that much at all, and he's just kind of gone. The way that I've been phrasing it and the way people have been really misinterpreting, man, I, I went nuts on Twitter two or three days ago. People thought I was going through something, and it's like, no, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of this whole entire discussion. I, I, I loved it. Thank you. Got some positive feedback overall. <laughs> There's, you can say a lot of things and not you. So I think that they should have resigned him. I think that they should, in a vacuum, they should resign him this summer. In a vacuum. Again, I don't see what's going on behind the scenes every day. I don't see how much his teammates believe in him right now that he's going to be the guy from last postseason as opposed to the guy in this postseason. I don't see how the coaching staff feels about it. I don't see any of that. So in a vacuum, I think that he should be back. With that being said, how much and I'm trying to think of the way to say this there are potential benefits here that we're not talking about where just him not being on the team anymore is going to free everyone up and make everything easier on everyone because they are no longer trying to appease is a really harsh word that makes it sound like they're babying him they're not babying him again maybe they feel like they're babying him um all my last point in terms of just how much they are trying to how much it could frustrate them be frustrating them to deal with him or they try i don't even think that's unfair to say that he could be that he was a he's a frustrating player to deal with with how he plays isn't i think isn't that i don't think fair to say i think at the very least you can say there's a lot of evidence we've seen was either body language of frustration from his teammates when he does these things we've seen it yeah on the floor i think that you can say they got years of they tried they 
Um, Chris Paul was positive around him. Book tried to build him up. And, like, I think they would still keep doing that. But I'm sure there's, like, emotional... I'm trying to think of an example. Like, you know when you go to Thanksgiving and, like, you have family members who maybe you don't get along with or whatever, but it's family, you you make efforts to have a great time, whatever. Like, if you do that every day at your job where just you're trying to appease a, a personality that just doesn't fit in or whatever... And I, I again, this is not information I know, but I no, think I'm, I'm we're heavy into speculating right now, and that this is a speculation based episode. Yes. to be clear, that's what we have to do right now. I, I think it can wear on a team, and and like it's probably like very minor and not like there's conflicts all the time. But I think if there's a player who wants to be in his own role, and again, he could be completely right and warranted that he deserves more touches. Um, we can make an argument about that. But if the team doesn't want to exactly do that for basketball philosophy reasons then there's there's something there and there's efforts and um juice i guess that is going towards something that's not exactly exactly frictionless i guess gonna say the quiet part out loud the reason that bismack biombo and javel mcgee were in there starting and it was popping all of a sudden wasn't because they are that much closer to deandre in talent or ability no it was because they were able to just fit play seamlessly skill set fit more it was there all the time from mcgee and beyond but what they were doing was there all the time the effort was there all the time from them was the play as consistent not really but the difference in what they were getting from a consistency standpoint on all those charts so i'm saying that out loud and that goes back to again when we're having those discussions, we're saying, like, how much can you pay a and, center? It's and like, that's no, it, the value, right? Like, it goes when you say those guys' production's not far off. There are still inconsistencies. Like, JaVale got absolutely torched by the Mavericks also. And Biombo didn't out, do much better either, yeah. And Biombo didn't do much better. That's true. Um, but, yeah, when you talk about the money factor, and that's how a GM approaches it. So that is the one side of this. The other side is something that I wrote on the site. Um, Gambo called it ridiculous on the air last uh, yesterday. Everyone has their opinion. <laughs> I make an argument in there, and I'm just saying there's an argument there. I'm not saying this is how I flat-out concrete feel with the take, because believe it or not, Kevin, when you say sports opinions, you don't have to be flat-out one direction or the other. You can. There's nuance, apparently. That's crazy. I know. Sources. I believe that the center position is more valuable than it's ever been in the NBA, which is the exact opposite of how everyone feels because of how replaceable they are. I think people are thinking about centers the wrong way. The way that people should be thinking about centers is that they do so many things on the floor every single possession that no one else on the floor is doing every single possession. Unless you have a point guard holding the ball for 95% of the time, he's running 95% of your offense, you're not getting that same level of consistent contribution nearly every possession from any other player. Guess what we're running every time down, Kevin? We're running pick and roll. We're running ball screens. Who's defending the ball screen on the backside? It's your center. Who's setting the screen for your ball screen? It's the center. When you're running DHOs around the corner for Clay Thompson, is Andrew Wiggins setting that pick? No. Who's setting that pick? It's Kevon Looney setting that pick. The Celtics have two centers. They start at the same time. So this is my way of saying, I believe that the position is more valuable than it's ever been. I understand that people won titles with Hakeem and Shaq and like all of this. I, I understand where the center and Kareem. Two big guys, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff, I completely understand. But I'm just saying... That alone, and then when you get a really great one who's versatile, who can't get played off the court, 
who gets like I, I guess some perimeter players get played off the court because they can't defend. But I mean, in the eighties, they weren't worried about like, oh man, Luke Longley might get played off the court here. We gotta watch out here. Like that wasn't anything that they were worrying about or whatever. It wasn't a worry with Kareem or Hakeem. Hakeem is the worst example to bring up because he's possibly the. He is not possibly. He's one of the best defensive players of all time. Horrible example to bring up, but like perimeter guys like that, guys who were struggling, you don't have to worry about that back then. You have to worry about it now, which is my whole point in saying you have a guy who does almost all of that stuff. DeAndre does almost all of that stuff. The only thing he doesn't do is shoot threes, which he's going to need to start to eventually, or he is going to become not extinct, but it's just going to be tough to get him to a championship level with guys like Horford, with guys like Looney, because Looney is so consistently awesome with just being in the right place, playing extremely hard. And that's the thing. DeAndre did it last postseason. We already saw what it looks like when he plays like his hair is on fire every single possession. This is my way of saying his antics, whatever you want to call them, dealing with accepting him for who he is. That's the light way I put it a couple weeks ago. It might be worth it. It just might be worth it because of because of what he brings at that position, which you can't get from anyone else. And everyone is spot on with what they're saying. And whoever is playing center next year, they are going to miss DeAndre more than they know. Now, are they going to miss DeAndre more than what they know with what he did? Yes. But is it going to open up other avenues? And that's where I go like, okay, if they get a if they get like a spacing five, the driving lanes for everyone are just going to be insane because DA's not going to be under there and his defender's not going to be under there. Booker is going to take if DeAndre is on the team next year and they get someone who shoots, if they get a stretch five next year and that's who they're starting, someone who can shoot threes like a Brooke Lopez. I'm not talking like a sniper by any means. Brooke Lopez shoots like 33, 34%. I'm not saying him as a target either. I'm saying someone like him, for example. I think like Boucher is a five that we mentioned last time. He shoots threes a little bit. If Book gets driving lanes, like his rim percentage numbers are going to go way, way, way up. His numbers are going to go way up there. They're going to go up for a couple of other guys on the team, too, because it's just going to open things up. So is that like the balance in that? That's what I'm at. That's what I'm talking about here. But again, to go back to my whole original point, now that I've covered both sides and I've fairly represented what I believe, which is that he is extremely valuable. He's extremely valuable to this team, but there are a lot of benefits on the other side of it, which I believe I truly do believe include just him not playing and not being around the team anymore is going to help them just because they are going to be able to move on from trying to work with someone who doesn't fit in their team. I wrote a column on this. McDonough drafted this guy, supposedly, or Robert Sarver drafted this guy. James Jones did not draft this guy. Monty Williams was not even the head coach of the team when they drafted this guy. Monty was in Philly when they drafted this guy. So how he fits schematically with their team. Like we talk about everything that they do, what he does defensively makes sense with what they do, but offensively, no, right. he wants the ball on the, if you told him we'll do whatever you want, he's going to get the ball on the block almost every possession. And that is the exact opposite of what they do, which is stand there and watch the guy dribble. I do want to say there's a lot of value in that. And you wonder where they tinkered with it in like certain spots, right? Like I forgot was book injured this year past where there was a game where they just went to Deandre every time he's great at bailing you out to of like centers that you throw the ball with five seconds left. He can get off a shot pretty high up there. Yeah. And there's value in that. But if you're not going to run your offense from him and, and that's a pure basketball philosophy decision too. It's not even about his lapses or whatever. It's a, this guy doesn't, if we're, if we're not going to pay, play him certain ways, we should not pay him to do what he's doing right now in the present or the past i guess so 
to me, it, it could just be a basketball philosophy decision too. Even if you say he's he gets super consistent now. The crazy thing is he took tremendous, made tremendous strides over the last two three years. Yeah, with what I'm talking about specifically, you know, because it was people forget how bad it was during year three. There were like I think at least 15 games during the the first season with Chris Paul where it was just he was lost just completely when chris got there it was like it took him three months to just figure out jay crowder said april i think it's when it clicked for him it's like did the playoffs start in april they started in may something like that like holy smokes april yeah, it was a weird year again we just brushed jay crowder saying that under under like yeah, yeah, yeah but now like retroactively people think about all those moments that we've had with those types of moments with him over the years we're just We've just brushed them aside. I don't think they've been brushing them to the side. They've been trying to and trying to move on from and trying to turn him into the best possible version of himself. He thinks it's a different version, though. I think we can end this part of it with agreeing on that. They disagree with each other on the best version of him as a basketball player. The, the Suns believe the best version of DeAndre as a basketball player is the guy we saw last postseason. Yeah. Plus, like... A little more... A little more rebounding, a little bit more physicality, a, dribble, a little bit more intensity, create. a little bit more offensive like creativity. DeAndre believes he should be taking way more shots. He believes he should be getting the ball a lot more offensively. A lot of that. It doesn't have to do anything with the little parts of his game that they really worked with him over the last three years. And he, to his credit, successfully got done. I think we, we nailed it there. I think we, we talked about everything yeah. we needed to. That is an extension of something I wrote, which was that how did they get here? Well, they got here by drafting him, but we also got here because he had flaws when they drafted him. And it's like they, these are not just everyone's credit and like Igor, Monty, DA, they drafted him and you and I believed like Luca aside, we believed that he was a raw, raw prospect, but we also thought he was probably number two on the board. I think I did. We both emphatically said we believed he was the second best prospect by a pretty big and he margin. had yeah. so far to go and he ended his college career for the team that we watched regularly exactly like he ended his career possibly at buffalo yeah or not with at the buffalo, phoenix suns buffalo. like the parallels between the last game there and the last game at arizona so like as far as he's developed he still had that, like, we can't explain why that happens. And, and that's part of what I was writing about, and I don't think I said it in concrete terms, but, or no, I did say it. It's like, he was a very raw, underdeveloped player coming out of Arizona, and everyone was talking about him like he was this 20-10 and 10 guy, and it's like, he has a long way to go all over the place, and he's improved so much, and now you've got this decision with him. So, speaking of Buffalo, we'll talk about jonathan williams now out of buffalo and get into undrafted guys in the second round i'm kidding <laughs> we are going to talk about the draft a little bit the week of the draft next week maybe i don't know what we're looking at but moving on um from that kind of point to preface and kind of set up as a whole where we have to you can tell that like my brain has i didn't feel comfortable talking about it on this level three weeks ago because it, it had just happened still yeah. we were fresh off of it and this is something you need to think about for a while so i i've been thinking about it for a while obviously wrote a couple of things here and there and that's where i land on it i also, just think that it matters that the i mean to some degree we're talking about it like we probably would have then because the noise around it has kind of more cemented in our brains like this is a reality or at least a very decent possibility that he's somewhere else. 
Yeah, if I didn't make it clear already, I think that he's a very good basketball player. I yes. think that he's one of the five best players at his position. I think that, again, to repeat this point again, because I know that I was just harsh on him for 20 minutes, calling it like antics and making him sound like he's a child. He's, he's certainly not a child. Um, he is someone in a vacuum who I would pay this money to. Yeah. If it was just that. Again, taking his inconsistencies into, into, into hand, I would. But I think there are other dynamics at play, which I just talked about for... Probably a little bit too long. So let's move on to if he gets moved. You wrote a piece like two weeks ago, I want to say, where you Something were like, like, yo, who could sign and trade for this guy technically? As we mentioned last episode, um, David, I suggested this bit for him, our, our Australian correspondent. I think it's former now because he stopped writing, but he's always going to be. No one else is going to replace him. It's he's, always going to be his job. He's still alive. But... He's still our correspondent. <laughs> He's been doing, um, for soccer fans who don't know what this is, there's a thing called VAR, which is their version of video review, and the referee will just motion something as if to say, it's a goal or it's not a goal. So his bit now is taking fake trades and saying if they're legal or not, which has been great. It's been very funny to see, very amusing. We love to see it. Everyone knows $19 million now, yada, 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 all that good stuff. Hey, you can't do a sign-and-trade during the draft because that would require signing a guy and free agency doesn't start for another week, all that good stuff. So our pal, Kevin Zimmerman, kind of went through a couple of teams, a couple of teams that have been mentioned, rumored. I think the first thing that we should say off top here is that there has been no S-tier reporting on this done yet. No. We have not heard from Woj. We have not heard from Shams. We have not heard from Chris Haynes or Mark Stein or anyone where you basically treat it as fact when they report something. We have not gotten there yet. These are no shots at guys like Jake Fisher and John Hollinger who are reporting facts all the time on a daily basis and, and all there, that stuff. I will preface that with Jake Fisher and John Hollinger are talking to people elsewhere from what how it reads. And it's league sources elsewhere who are basically like i think the suns are doing this because this is you know however they're hearing things however their teams that they know are going after and maybe looking into it the hollinger thing read to me like he talked to a couple of people and then he also just like felt out the vibes yeah like we have been feeling out the vibes and right like, that's oh, what man. we're doing too yeah which is like oh but he he knows people like- who are more important than us anyway continue i guess <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you you assembled a list of teams. You've got the Toronto Raptors, the Indiana Pacers, the Detroit Pistons, the Atlanta Hawks, the Portland Trailblazers, and the San Antonio Spurs. How you constructed this piece very well, I might add. You kind of included... Okay. A dude I liked. We know... This this James Jones dude likes good basketball players, like any general manager would. A DeAndre Aiden <laughs> well, sign and trade is not well, going to include some garbage contract or just some dude on an expiring and like three draft picks or whatever or two draft picks. It is going to include a pretty good player, and it should because you want to compete for a title and you should have a rotation player coming back. Yeah, Bick wrote a good piece on the site which was like, "Yo, can they win a title with him this year?" And I don't think or next year if he's not here and I I think that's a great question. I, I don't know. We have to wait and see what the team looks like. We have to see what the rest of the league looks like. I think the latter is probably more important cuz like I said, the golden opportunity, the league was asleep for a year. They are going to arise from its slumber cuz the Boston Celtics might win a championship right now. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> 
You remember the recap I wrote when they were here 35 games in, and I was like, what is this team? Is Udoka going to get fired at the All-Star break? And it's like, oh, no, they're just going to turn it on and be the one team to kind of like figure it out at the right time while everyone else just still can't figure it out. Now Jordan Poole is all of a sudden like, whoa, this is a lot to handle. Which is like, I was waiting for that all season. I was waiting. The Warriors don't have enough dribble guys anyway. Oh my gosh, just not enough dribble guys anywhere around the league. I, I tweeted this uh, at a, I'm sure you follow him, Durag Hoops, great son's Twitter follower, where he was just talking about the dribbling and all that stuff, and I just told him, there's going to be some team that gets like the Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembenyama guy, Wembenyama <laughs> guy, they get that type of center who can like actually facilitate and do stuff like Giannis basically, but at a much lesser degree, but still do dribble stuff. They're going to get two guards and a wing who can do that stuff too, and then they're going to just win 80 games and go like 80 and two and then it's going to be like if you are picked in the first round you need to you need to be able to dribble because this jabari we're going to talk about next (laughs) next week but holy smokes are the magic about to take a guy first overall and we're not sure if he can dribble or not oh Oh. my god (laughs) what is happening there did you see that graphic about him (laughs) it's amount of like total field goals that he had and the amount that were like assisted or whatever and it was like a 90 percent rate or something like crazy i'm saying crazy things out loud now so i'm gonna take the we'll save that for next week i'll take the four seconds here just to make sure my take is valid (laughs) here and we won't save it for next week pull a poop math no we 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 know kellen's Kellen's. okay so only 43 percent of his uh uh, attempts at the rim were assisted still 43 percent for a guy who you're expecting to project as a primary scorer 30% 30% of his two-point jumpers were assisted, which is crazy. Like, how are they How are they not all... I, I, I don't know. And then 73% of his threes were assisted. Someone might take him number one overall. Okay. Just, okay. I've seen him play for 20 seconds. I'm, yeah. I'm an expert. OG and Anobi can, can dribble a little bit. Yeah. So, kind of a dribble guy? A little bit of a dribble guy? So you mentioned Couple him as, as, a, as a piece for Toronto. I think the important thing with OG is that the Fisher report was kind of indicating there could be two things happening at once here where Toronto wants DeAndre Ayton and also OG Ananobi is a bit unsettled. What I would ask is, why is he unsettled? Does he want the ball more? Is this a Jeremy Grant situation? Right. Because if he wants the ball more, come in here. No, no, no. You're coming here to win another championship, my good sir. Indiana. Miles Turner. Apparently that's less likely since I wrote this, for what it's worth, but... Detroit, Jeremy Grant, the does unanswerable change, question. Does he change his mind after shooting like 42%? Yo, dog, you want to win 20 games still, or do you want to come over here and win again by doing the, the winning he's things? The thing is, he's sacrificed before, so there's evidence. The Hawks in here with Capella, this is the one that uh, I never really kind of got on board it, with, but you, yeah, were, you were there. It just makes financial the, sense. The, the humor up. in this story, Portland with Josh Hart and Justice Winslow. That's Eric Bledsoe's on that team, which actually would be like a decent return piece, aside for the fact that he's... Rich Paul, a client. Rich Paul probably doesn't like the Suns owner. And uh, Eric Bledsoe did not like Phoenix. Continue. They are worth mentioning, though, because there could be some three or four team deals that could get done where the Suns get their players back and then Portland uh, gets Justice Winslow used to be a promising prospect, but he's like 26 now. I looked this up and I was like, oh... And then my favorite, which is San Antonio, they've got Jakob Pertl, who's only on a $9.4 million deal, but then if you throw in Devin Vassell or Keldon Johnson... Throw in Keldon. Love that. Dude, honestly. Love Keldon. I do not think people understand how funny this team would be with Keldon Johnson and Mikel Bridges together. 
Have you seen the videos of Keldon Johnson, Team USA? He's everyone's little brother who they're like, what are you doing, Keldon? Like, they, they're in a huddle together after they win the gold medal, and Keldon comes in and he, like, screams like a hyena. And, like, I think one guy laughed on the team, and that was it, and everyone else was just like, just say the thing, uh, Kevin, or whoever was talking. <laughs> and that just tells you in your head, like, they've been dealing with this kid, like, for three weeks now, just screaming like this. Like, no one's laughing at I also at it proclaimed anymore. him the best player on Team USA when they were warming up for the Olympics, which you were, was yeah, a you stupid were like, Yeah, you were like, he, said, needs, he needs at least 20 minutes, that Keldon Johnson guy. And it's like, now nah, they're, 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 they're they got, they have Kevin Dur- Team USA, <laughs> Kevin Durant, which is maybe the best basketball player that's ever existed. Uh, he'll, they'll be fine. San Antonio's fun. Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing, Kevin, and I've, I've tried really, I tried really, here's what I did. I tried really hard. Did you? Second half of the year. Okay. The first half of the year, last off season, the very, very start of this off season we were talking, I tried to talk about the luxury tax a lot mm-hmm. and just get it into people's heads and what it means. And it's like, no, if they like trade DeAndre Ayton, it doesn't like, Open thirty million dollars of money to spend in any it's way. Not how it works? It's not how it works. They just like keep spending money. So my whole thing here is the story with all these trades to me is not who they are getting back. It's who are they getting back and bringing back again? Are you bringing in Jakob Pertl and then re-signing him to a contract extension immediately? Are you doing the same thing with Keldon Johnson? Because this cannot, Kevin, I cannot emphasize this enough. This cannot be a rental situation. You don't think? For your number one overall pick from 2018, you can't get rentals back from him? Are you kidding me? No, you cannot. So, are you going to give Jeremy Grant four for 80 again? Four for 100? Are you going to give him that? Are you going to give Miles Turner four for 75? Capella, yuck. Are you going to give OG and Anobi? You know what I'm saying here? I think OG's got two years left, but... right. A lot of these guys are on expirings, and that's my number one thing with all of this is that it cannot be a rental situation. And perhaps more importantly, Kevin, and this is where you and I last podcast painted out the million things that they have to get right here, which is what, why we ended up saying this is the toughest thing James Jones has done as an offseason guy. Can't do Landry Shamit again, bud. You can't have someone come in, give him a bunch of money, and then they stink. Which is kind of you what? You cannot do that. Which is what you're saying. Like, if you want, if you like Jeremy Grant, he says, yeah, let's do the deal. I would like to play for that team. You, in theory, you would get an extension done, which I think you could do. I would have to check the rules after the trade. But, yeah, yeah I'm ki- I actually am different from you on that. I think you can do a rental. Like, that's a cheap thing to do. It saves money. Maybe you miss the where luxury do, where tax do you the make next up that- year. Okay, so, you, so your thing would be... You get a you get a good you get a good rental. He comes in and you try and to make you, the finals next year, and then you duck under the luxury tax when they leave, and then that's where you can spend money to replace that guy. Because kind if of. they're still in the luxury tax when that guy leaves, it'll be the MLE and minimums, and that's it. Right. Unless they're making that's trades the, again, that's, that's the a problem. thing where you have to like math it out. Yes, which they have. That's the thing. Like we've learned with all their tiring uh, expirings and all that. I said Shamit stunk this year. That was rude, but uh, but it was accurate at the same point. With that in mind, he was signed to that specific deal with two non-guaranteed years at the end to make it tradable, to make it work and function in a bigger deal. That's why they've thought it out. When you look at his contract, even campaigns, they got money, right? But there are outs the Suns built in, and that's why I think I'm... Like, lots of NBA contracts don't have those types of outs, um, to me, if I'm just going off my head. But... 
I think it's important to point that out because I think the very generally how you win this situation if you do sign and trade DeAndre Ayton is you you do bring back a player like Pirtle or even Grant, whatever position, and I think that's why it doesn't matter too much to me whether they're expiring. But that move needs to have a second move that either gives you a center, gives you guard depth, gives you something else in addition to whatever main piece that is. And that's not even draft picks. That's like moving Shamit or Campaign or Jay Crowder or Dario. And because if you're doing a philosophical shift, you need to fill in some pieces in other ways too. And you can't just say DeAndre one for one, even if one for two, if you get two good players back, like if you got Pirtle and Keldon Johnson back, I, I still think you need to take a serious look and do other things to improve the roster. And and that's why when we bring up like contracts, length, luxury tax money, they need to have a multiple plan, multiple point plan, like the Cam Johnson, Sharich, uh, draft day where a lot of things happened at once to completely redo something very quickly. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Did that make sense? It's not just about the DA trade. No, it's it what they do based off the DA trade. No, it made a ton of sense. Uh, we don't want to rehash too much what we talked about last time, just like everything on the list, everything that has to come, things like right. that. But I wrote that in our back and forth and said you he might need to do something like the Dario trade again where you get two things done at once. You get Dario and then you get that you got the trade down done, which is the first thing. You That's want to trade down. You want to get better value on Cam. How do you get better value? Okay, you trade down. How do you trade down? What do you get? Oh, we get a power forward that we didn't have and we had no chance of really getting because we had to get Ricky Rubio. We had to get rid of TJ Warren. We had to get rid of Josh Jackson. Yeah. There was too much going on. I think that's saying all this is important because you can't just say, well, are they a better team? Like, It's not just that trade. It's what they do around that trade to become a better team or to be at least on the finals title contender level the best way to phrase it is you and i better be extremely busy over the next three to four weeks or and if we're not that means this team is in trouble team's in trouble yeah that's a good way to put it so with the draft in mind uh we're going to talk about guys more next week but i david i believe our australian correspondent has been sort of alluding to this basically and he can uh, tweet me david if i'm wrong on this but Sign trades before the before the draft. Like I said, no, can't do that. Uh, dude needs to sign, and then you can trade him. You can't sign him before the the trade because the you can't sign the, him until after the. It's in the right order. It's yeah. those that can't trade and then trade. sign. That that's not, not how trade it works. and sign. Not a trade and sign. Uh, with that in mind, now if it just slips somehow that the Suns really like Dyson Daniels or Abaji or someone and they get selected by Indiana at 6 or Portland at 7 or San Antonio at 9 or San Antonio at 20 or San Antonio at 25 <laughs> San and then Antonio. this just kind of winds up getting in the deal a week or two later like eh, I don't know maybe <laughs> it just works out that way where they drafted the guy that you liked in the in the de- I don't know um, golly you know what I'm going to do if they trade for someone and it includes a draft pick in this year's draft that includes a young player. The first thing I'm going to think about is your happiness because you've been begging for them to be drafting people <laughs> and drafting people well. I so, love drafting, Kellen. You just like the thought of a young player on a team that could be a part of it for another eight years as opposed to trading it for Landry Shamit or drafting Jalen Smith with it and then trading him two years later or a year and a half later because it didn't work out. Value. 
you energy, need youth, desire. You and I, I sound like Bill Walton. I think for the 2020 draft, you and I basically had the talk of like Chris Paul is here because it was it was Chris Paul first, right before the draft. Because right. Uh, either man. way, either way, we had some sort well, of discussion. They had, they had Ricky anyway, so it's kind of the same conversation. Like they needed a ball. Well, we had some sort of discussion along the lines of like you need to start nailing. We had this discussion last year for sure. I don't know if we had the year before, but the discussion I had last year with twenty nine is this is an excellent opportunity to draft someone who is a good part of your team for the next five to six years when you're not going to be able to have many other avenues to add guys who can be a part of your team for the next five, six, seven years or whatever. So, with that in mind, that's where we bring up those picks and, the, and these teams being rumored. Did any... You already kind of answered this, but OG Ananobi would be sweet. I don't understand how he... He seems too good to be a part of this. He's one of the best right. 9 or 10 perimeter defenders in the league. 11, 12. He's right on the all-defense wall in terms I, of how good he is defensively. He's on top of my, like... I might be making things up where it's like the rapper's like, no, that's stupid. But, like... That would make this team really interesting. Yes. Because Mikel and OG, OG is the big stocky. The Harrison Barnes problem I've been talking about for five years now where they don't have a stocky wing who can defend other stocky wings like Kawhi I, and LeBron and so on and so on. I don't so even on. care if you... Put, or even stocky guards like Luka. You put Jay Crowder and or Cam Johnson on the bench. I don't care. I thought Jay Crowder was this guy. Or you and trade one of them. kind of never came that way because Jay just on ball doesn't really have that kind of step left in him, which is fair. It's very fair. He's been excellent defensively for them as a whole anyway. So with all of this kind of said and out loud, I think the main thing that we're going to be watching for with all of this is, okay, when you get the sign trade done, how much of it includes assets that you might throw into another deal? Because that's the thing. If, if it turns into the sign trade where you get the sixth pick who turned out to be the kid out of Baylor or Tari Eason or whatever. It's like, okay, are you going to include them in a deal with Jay Crowder and Dario Sarge to go get X? And I think you and I can agree. So let me know. And and I asked this here, is this too much to ask for? And what I will, what I will say is too much to ask for. Is it too much to ask for that when Aiton leaves? And again, I'm saying when there's a chance he could be back. I'm just not worried operating on the assumption he's gone with that in mind. Do you think it's possible for them to get a starting caliber center, a new power forward who does better offensive stuff, a, another ball handler off a primary ball handler <laughs> off of the bench? Basically, you grab someone off the bench who can run your second unit and run it effectively and consistently to the point where you don't need to be like, "Ah, can we play him to like in this series?" No, you need to have that guy on the floor every single time. Eric Gordon would have been nice. Tough on the tax bill would have been nice. Can you get all of that? Can is is this feasible? I I think the, the <laughs> I think me even asking the question is answering the question. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I it's think really challenging. Two of the three. I, I think it's really. I, I think it's a home run if you if, if you get two. Yeah, if you get a center where you feel confident you can win, this guy can stay on the floor and win. And a title getting with them. two is like they yeah. did a great job in like really plan. Like again, like this front office has shown it can have a really good blueprint and execute it. Yeah, in like chop 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 done. We're done this draft. It's going to happen fast. I think with you, I agree. I'm with you. I I think they need to get. I think you can get three rotation players out of it. 
you need to and and honestly like you can even say one is the mid-level and they just sign one of them who's like a really great value signing but they need to do all three of those things and if they want to be getting rid of deandre and then staying in this discussion of the the very talented teams that are coming next year and there's a chance they're not which is crazy there's a chance there's a chance that we are not talking about them the way we were entering the year, which is that they are one of the two, three, four teams in the discussion. Like we mentioned them, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and them, I think, was what we were talking about pretty much. I don't think we felt confident enough in anyone in the West, and the Warriors came out of nowhere relatively. I think people forget that, by the way, how the Warriors were looking before the year, and then it's just like, no, they're the Warriors again, and everyone just turned those lights back on, and it was that. But at, that was not expected, uh, and everyone was not acting like it was expected. They were like, oh, the Warriors could be pretty good this year. It could maybe be a contender. And then it's like, no, they're just the best team in the West again. <laughs> Instantly. There's a chance the Suns are not in that group. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance if this offseason doesn't go a certain but, direction. But also which if they, is the, which they is the sign him, is, are they in that re-sign DeAndre? Are they in that group? I don't know. Probably. You should say Depends something. on what else they do. Yeah. It, it depends on what else they do. That's the thing. It cannot be a run it back. I think no. everyone agrees. We ended the podcast last time by saying we both agree someone in the top six, it'll change. And we uh, hold firm on that. Yeah. Three weeks later now, for sure. Uh, anything else that we really didn't hit on? I know we didn't really break down much Keldon Johnson or Jeremy Grant stuff, but I think it's pretty obvious Keldon Johnson's a really exciting young player. I would include the... Can I name it the Landry Shaman clause? Why are you trading me, Keldon Johnson? Why don't you want to pay Keldon Johnson? Yeah, that's true. I think Pop loves Keldon Johnson, though. I think that would be tough for him. Should we talk about Kevin Durant? I'm kidding. Of course we shouldn't. LeBron James, out of L.A., definitely. Darvin Ham got hired. That's news. Do you think that Jordan Poole is going to go back to acting like the player that he's been for two seasons now as opposed to the guy that everyone thought he was going to be coming out of Michigan and the reason that he went four picks after Ty Jerome? Uh, or, yeah, that was I, I looked that up. Oh. I looked that up for the thing, and I was Low like, Oh, blows from Kellen. Yikes. Uh, and will Draymond start to insert podcast joke here? I don't know, man. Do you think the Warriors... I do think he's allowed to podcast... Do you think his podcast is more successful than this one? Yes, What? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> of course it is. His, it has to be like a top five basketball podcast. It's, it's got to be number one right now oh, because yeah. they're in the finals and everyone's listening after. But You're allowed to podcast whenever you want, by the way. Anyone, any of you listening, you can podcast whenever you want. After work, before work, during work, I don't care. I love Steve Jones's point on Twitter, which was like people are saying like, oh yeah, Boston assistant coaches are listening to Draymond's podcast. Like, If you need to listen to Draymond's podcast to figure out what they're doing and what they're going to tweak, man, then you don't belong in, in what you're doing. It's not good. So do you think all that happens or do you think the Celtics pull it out? I was a Warriors guy before the series, but... I've heard I, this. They, you change your tune. Um, I, it's just... It's, again, it's enough of the Suns thing if, where if it's Poole's like they're playing, not... Yeah. Thompson can't get by anyone on that team. He can't. And Draymond is getting stuck in these spots where he's just quick pass guys. He's not even driving anymore. So it's got to be Poole and it's got to be Steph going pretty nuclear. Steph's only averaging three and a half assists per game in this series, which is a huge problem too because of how much he's on the ball. The playmaking hasn't been there or the shots haven't been falling. I don't know which one I it think, is. I think this might go seven. I don't, I don't think the Celtics offense is consistent enough for this to get done in five or six. No. I remain all, I remain steadfast on that point. Isn't that crazy? The, the Dr- thing that I had in the thing where Horford shooting forty six percent from three in the in the playoffs. playoffs. 
It's insane. He shot 33? Do you remember? In the regular season? I don't know. He had like the exact same run to the title with Florida, I feel like, where he just like was insane. I might be making that up. Uh, I don't know. I just remember, anyway, Joachim Noah. Um, yeah, I think Draymond will, I think he will have a good game in game four. Let's just say that. I think Poole will have at least one good game left. I don't know if he'll have two. They need to have two, possibly three. I'm still sticking with uh, Warriors and six. Okay. I think they're going to win the next three. I need to see him die until then. I need to see. I need to see it. I'm not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. I think Kaminga's going to come in in game four tonight and have a have a pretty big impact. Wow. I'm excited about Free Kaminga. Yeah. Enough Otto Porter, please. Let the let the young man thrive for the love of everything. Yeah. Steve Kerr, with your Anderson Verge out playing ways enough. Isn't that crazy? They lost a ring because he just played Anderson Verge out too long. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> they were like minus was... sixteen in the twenty minutes Verge out played or whatever. It was the plus minuses were crazy. I with forgot him and he existed on that team. To be honest, I don't because that's the reason they lost a title. <laughs> it was insane. All right, buddy. So we will be back either next week or the week after. Again, we are including the breaking news clause in here. Uh, no investigation broke, by the way. We got a nice little couple of weeks there. That was nice. Thank you, NBA. I'm sure they're waiting for it to drop until after the season and after after everything, everything. So after the draft, after free agency, that's when I'm expecting it at least. We'll see. I don't know. That's when my logical thinking is concluded, has deduced. Could be after finals. Could be. In between then, yeah couple 48 hour news cycle there yeah on a friday friday saturday sunday everyone talks about it monday if they still want to talk about it on monday and then we're out of there yeah hmm we'll see if this is prophetic or not we're we're so cynical now we're just like yeah i'll just this is how it goes i'm looking for a reason Been in the game too long i'm looking for a reason not to be <laughs> to be honest i think today's your uh seventh anniversary here with this isn't company, that crazy huh? you said that and i had to go look on the wall was to i see right if, yeah, you were right seven Congrats. years i thought it was Everyone six I, I wrote it wrong in the uh, in our little bio things i need to go ch- i need to have you change it because i wrote that i got here in 2016 it's 2015 oh the thing yeah. that me- messed me up is like i got this job a year out of college and then you realize like the whole waiting to get a job out of college thing felt like it was two or three years because of how stressful it was but then it only took a year it's good for me yeah (laughs) congrats good for for me man um yeah i was about to talk about the housing market here but no i'm not gonna gonna do that okay so if everything is peachy keen and we're not uh yeah nothing crazy breaks we're gonna have one draft podcast beforehand i'll unload more crazy jabari (laughs) smith takes like that um and i've watched a lot of a lot of stuff i need to catch up i need to find my dude i don't even have a dude in this draft i'm just being all negative i kind of have a dude the the williams kid out of uh jalen buffalo uh it's it's jenathan i believe oh it's jenathan that's how it looks but it's it's jenathan i believe from santa clara that everyone is very excited about i watched him he's good too um vince williams out of ecu they're like these two guys who probably won't get drafted they're ranked like 80 and through 100 on every list i see but they're and they're just like a little too slow all this stuff but they shoot and they defend and they play hard and they are long and i was like oh yeah works for me 
don't know sense. what Coloco's stock is doing. It doesn't well, make sense. What's happening me. there? Can we get my man his four-year guarantee for the love of everything? Yeah. Anyway. What's going on there? Can everyone figure it out? That's my take right now. I'll do... I'll. Prep, you though. did try and put that into the into the universe like six months ago that he's going to be on the Suns, and now it's like it could actually kind of make sense. Oh yeah, yeah, it could. There are a lot of teams in the early first second round. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Yep. Bye, everyone.